Welcome to Conversations with the Black Girl Blogger podcast, where you will hear amazing human interest stories from everyday people. They will inspire you, they will encourage you, and they will help you to overcome all of what you are going through in your life. I am your host, Aisha Morgan, and let's meet today's guest. All right, so today we are here with three of my cousins, um, Paula, Miriam, and Barbara Ann, and we're going to be talking about what it is like to be a foster parent for family members and for individuals that are not in your family. Uh, We have had several of my family members, foster relatives, um, and so I really wanted to find out, like, what does this process, what is it, does it entail, and then how does it affect the people who are involved in the situation? So, Barbara Ann, why don't you go first, introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Barbara Mooney. I have eight children, in which five we have adopted, and I have nine grandchildren. So you said five children that you adopted out of your eight? Yes. Okay. And then Paula, why don't you go ahead? Hi, my name is uh, Paula Armstead. I have three children, and I have one that I adopted. Okay. And then Miriam? Hi, my name is Miriam. And I have four children, and out of the four children, one I adopted. Okay. So... I know that this is a the process was different for each of you. So Barbara Ann, why don't you first tell us um which one of the your kids was a relative that you adopted and how did you become a foster parent for those kids? Yes, I have two twins that were adopted. They were my cousin's children and we decided to become foster parents. I would say about uh, 20 years ago, after I had my last child, I decided to adopt less fortunate children. It came about in 2004 when we decided to be foster parents and go through the process. So what discussion did you have with your cousin to foster her children? I went over to her home one day, and actually this question has been going around in the family who wanted to adopt these this child that I was having, and I said, I will adopt the child. So did you know at the time that it was twins when you agreed to adopt them? No, I didn't know it was twins. We thought it was um, a female, actually, a baby girl. Okay. And I didn't find out out it was twins until the day they were born. Oh, wow. See, I didn't know that. So was she not going to doctor's appointments? To my knowledge, no. I had no idea if she went to a doctor's. She said she did. Okay. Um, So, Paula, why don't you tell us who you adopted and what did the process look like for you? I adopted my sister's child. She was in the hospital, actually, when uh, the diaphragm people called me and said that um, they were going to put the child... In diaphragm care, mm-hmm. and she wanted me to take him. My sister wanted me to take him. I said, I thought it was only for a little while. So I said, yeah, I'll take him. But um, then when I had, you know, got him, 
It wasn't for a little while because it's 16 years later. I still <laughs> yeah. So when you when they called you, did you have to take classes? Because Barbara was already um, had a plan to be a foster parent. Yeah, I had to take classes. While um, you had them or before you got them? While I had him, I had to go take these classes. I had to get a license. Okay. I had, you know, you had to get your your home license. Right. So I had to do that, and I had to take them classes. Okay. And them were long classes. And then how long did it take you to get the license and everything? Maybe four weeks. Okay. Gotta see if your rooms is big enough. They got it's it's a lot that they do when they come out. Yeah, Miriam, what was your process? Actually, my sister Paula basically sat me down and talked to me. Is like you know, God put it in her heart to keep our families' children together so they don't go out of our family and go up the system. So I was like, no, not me. So I thought about it. I prayed on it. Yes. Um, I agreed to do it. And just like Paula mentioned, yes, Dyfus was involved. Um, I also had to have my home license. I had to be certified. And I had to take classes while the baby was under my care. Uh, my my situation was a little bit different um, versus Paula's because I had to have um, a nurse with me. When um, I actually brought the baby home when he was six six days old. So the nurse had to stay with me because it was a lot of things that my sister was into out in this world that, mm-hmm. you know, caused a lot of damage to the baby. So Dyfus provided the nurse to come? Yes. So you had a nurse come that Dyfus provided. And for everybody who's wondering what Dyfus is, it's the Child Protective Services in New Jersey. Um, other places it's called CPS, just depending on where you live. Um, it's changed in New Jersey. It's DCP. Oh, okay. Now, DCP. Division of Child Protection. So what did DIFAS stand it for? Division of Youth and Family Services before. They changed oh, right. DCP, which was Division of Child Protection. Oh, okay. They changed it again. But yeah, but I'm out of the game, so I don't know what the new name is. Got it. Because here it's called Child Protective Services, CPS. So you had a nurse come to your house that had to stay with the baby because of his medical needs. So how long did the nurse have to stay there? About three months. Oh, okay. She was coming a week. So what was the care that she provided to him when she came? Um, Certain medications that were required because since I'm not a licensed nurse, I couldn't administer that type of medication to the baby. Okay. She would take... And then vitals and his vital signs and stuff like that and just to make sure you know um the medication that they had him on was was effective okay so barbara and paula the the two kids that you fostered did they have any medical needs when you got them yes my boys seen 10 different doctors 10 um 10 different doctors yes at birth yeah. So we had a lot of doctor visits. We had um, with Miriam, it was different with me. I administrated all the medication. I did have a nurse come out once a month and check up and check my books and stuff to make sure I was doing it correctly. Mm-hmm. But it was a long process with the boys. They had um, uh, heart monitors when they came home, fetal heart monitors. 
So um, if they stop breathing, the monitor would go off, let us know that they stopped breathing. We had to get them awake. So we tap them on the foot or shake them, wake them up, and their heart will start going, the machine will go off. So, yes, I it, it was a, it was a lot of work. Yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, I was there for part of it, but still, um, not every day. So, Paula, did did your son have any medical needs when he came home? Um, actually, Brian didn't have any type of substance in his system. Mm-hmm. But they said he probably was exposed to it because she was. Right. So... I was at the doctor's, I would say once a week. Okay. Um, at the hospital, probably once a week. And there I know he didn't sleep, he right? Kind of, he never slept. Right. When he went to go to sleep, I was 42 years old when I got Bryant, y'all. I want you to know that. And when I tried, I got no sleep because he never slept. Yeah. He just hollered and cried all night long he would he would cry until six o'clock in the morning and that was my time to get up and go to work wow and i really didn't have any help you know somebody to help me chantel did yeah chantel was my helper but when it came to be eight or nine o'clock she had to go to school so it was on me to keep him he just would not he could not sleep. That's part of him being exposed. Right. He couldn't. He could not sleep. So it would go on all night to six o'clock in the morning. And I took him to the doctors because I wanted to see if they could give him something to sleep. Mm-hmm. But they said no. He just would have to. Um, he would grow out of it. He'd be all right. Okay. And that went on for months. Yeah. That I remember. Um, yeah. So, they're babies, and y'all are trying to navigate now being parents. Were the parents involved when they were babies? So, were their their moms or dads or both involved at all um, when they were babies? Um, I would have to say, this is Paula. I would have to say that she was involved. Okay. She was involved because um, I had heard that usually if you take the baby, babies from their mothers, like right away, mm-hmm. the baby will cry. So since he was crying all the time, I told the mother, I said, you have to come over here and spend the night at my house with this baby so he can, so he you know, he can get some rest and we can get rest. Right. So she did. Did it help? It did help. Yeah, it helped. Good. So I wouldn't say that she was always around. I would say that, yes. Okay. And then how about you, Barbara Ann? Um, She really wasn't involved um, as much as I thought she should have been. Okay. If I could say that. Yeah. She visited a couple of times, and, and that was probably the brand of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I pretty much raised them on my own, as my own. Um, 
with my children's health, you know, my younger girls and, and my husband, of course. And then, Miriam, how about you? Was she involved or no? Um, As a baby, I would say no. But she would call to check to make sure, you know, if he's okay. Um, She did ask if he needed anything. But, as no, as a baby, no, not as much. But as growing up, yes. Okay. So now the three of you raising these babies, at what point did you realize that you were probably going to adopt these kids? Well, let me tell you, after staying up sleepless nights and long days and taking them to the doctor appointment, when I brought them home from the hospital, they were my kids. Okay, so you knew right away you were going to adopt them. At that point, I said, that's it, they're my kids. After three years, how can you give two children back to someone after raising them for three years. So their mom actually wanted them back? Um, at, at first she said, yes, she did want them back. She really didn't want to lose her kids, which, and I encouraged her, mm-hmm. come and spend time with your kids. Come, they're not my children. I am here to take care of them, nurse them back to health, and that's it, you know? Yeah. And, you know, as to... As to the time went on, I believe they were about, I would say about a year old, probably 12, probably 13, 14 months old. Um, we discovered they were autistic. Okay. And that was the end. That was the end of everything. Of her interest in them at all. Yes. Right. Right. Okay. So, um, Paula, when did you realize that you were going to adopt your nephew? You know, when you have the child, even though it's your family member child, mm-hmm. um, you know, he'll go back into the system. Okay. So, like, if they're still up, I guess his name would be on if somebody else wanted to adopt him. Got it. Okay. So, his mom, his mom was not ready to take him at any point, pretty much. Oh, no. Mm-mm. Okay, got she it. She wasn't ready to take him at, at all. So, when they told me about him you know 15 months they told me and then you know he could be put in the system or go up for adoption so then i said well i'm gonna keep okay so they were gonna actually put him up for adoption even though you were fostering him yeah they told me at 15 months or something the parents could make a decision and if they wanted him back you went like that too yeah. If the parents want to get their children back after a certain before the fifteen months, they can get them back because they, they always want to, they want to keep the kids with the parent if they can. Right. Okay. And then Miriam, was that the same for you? Like they pretty much told you that if you didn't keep him, that he would be up for adoption. Within one year, adoption rolled around because. They actually um, sent notices to both of the parents to come in. Um, they didn't come in. And there's programs that they have to attend in order for the judge to, you know, make a decision. Well, yeah, she did what she was supposed to do, so we're going to give the child back. Or the father did what he was supposed to do, so he can get his son back. But that never took place. So since the notices all were returned, they never showed up to, for court. 
my my adoption was really fast. It was in like a year. Got it. Okay. I like to add. I like to add on to Miriam. Um, actually, she signed the adoption over to us. She signed the papers so we could. Oh, okay. Got it. Okay. They have to get consent from the father and the mother before you can adopt. So they have to sign it. They signed the paper. You know, they up their rights. Got it. Okay. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Like, did, were the parents aware that y'all were going to adopt the kids? So. Yeah, either they sign the paper or the court terminates their rights. Right. So if they don't go through the program and do the steps, the court pretty much says it doesn't matter what they want. They're Now these kids are up for adoption? Absolutely. Okay, got it. They can go through the steps and then don't go to the last step. And that things start all over again. Because uh, they're going to give them another chance. Right. Got it. Okay. But since they since she signed over her rights to you two, it didn't matter if she did the program or not. Right. Because she already signed over her rights. Got it. Okay. She, she, she knew she wanted us to adopt them. So now you're all raising teenagers. Um, oh, God, yes. <laughs> How involved have the parents been to this point, from baby to now 16, 13 years later? As far as me, not none at all. Um, on family occasions, she'll come and visit as we're having family gatherings. Mm -hmm. um, but outside of that, no. Okay, Paula? Um, she's. I told you, she's always been in uh, his life. She's always been. And she still is. She's always been in his. Do you feel like it's more involvement as he's gotten older and she's gotten better? It's more of a constant thing. Yeah, now than before. Yeah, very constant. Okay, good. And then, Miriam, how about for you? Has her involvement increased over the years? or? I would have to agree, but it, is, it increased. Okay. She's there. Okay, well, that's good. What would you say is a pro? So what is good about keeping them within your family as opposed to sending them and putting them in the system? So what do you think was a positive about this experience for you? Well, for me, you, you hit the key words. They're with family. Okay. And for in my case, I couldn't see someone else raising two teenagers, two autistic teenagers in the way that I could have raised them, you know? So for me to say, no, I don't want them, they can go. I don't know what type of treatment they would get. When my boys were young, you really couldn't understand them. It was very frustrating. Right. So people don't have that much patience when it comes to any children with disabilities. So, um, I think the pro to it is they're with family. They, I know them. I know the family history just in case anything happens. Mm -hmm. I can say, okay, this is what happened in the family. And they will be able to um, get the treatment that they need because it is new. And because, you know, they're still in the family. And I can always go back to family and say, 
hey, did such and such have this disease? Right. And either yes or no, and we can take care of it, you know, in the future. So yeah. I, I think that's one of the pros that I found um, with the adopting children in the family. Okay. Uh, Paula, how about you? What do you think is a positive about having a family member foster a child for another family member? The parent can always see them anytime that they want. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that the child should also know who their parent is and where they come from. The family is here. They can always see their mother. They can find out or or their father or whoever it is. They can see them and bond with them. You know, I don't, that's my important thing. How about for you, Miriam? I would agree with both Barbara and Paula. It's the same thing, keeping the family together and the bonding with the mother and the, and the father, if they choose. But um, more so than anything, I would do it again if I had to because being brought up with our family is totally close and being brought up and observing other family members being put in the system mm-hmm. and being in foster care and the things that happen to them, I would never want any one of our family members to be um, out 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 there in, in that system because we don't know what's going to happen to them. But we, we have a grip on it when it's our family. Just like what um, Barbara said, that, um, you know, if one kids are sick, we just ask. Our family never, did, you know, did grandma have that or did your cousin have that? Um, you know, and then... Then when you go to the doctors, you have a way of talking to doctors, and then they can learn, you know, search for maybe it's not this, maybe it's that. But me, definitely, I would do it again. I wouldn't want to see any of the members out in the system. So I do have a quick question before I um, ask about maybe the cons, the negatives about it. Do all of the three kid, four kids, do they know who their parents are? Um. My twins know who their mother is, yes. Father, no. Okay. Um, he knows who his mother is. Yes, he does. And um, he's heard about his father. Mm-hmm. But um, he's never met him. Okay. And then how about you, Miriam? Same thing. He knows who his mother is. He's, he acknowledges that he has two sisters. And he knows that his father is no longer here. Okay. So how does that dynamic work? Like, do they know who their birth mother is, but do you think they consider y'all to be their moms? He calls us both mom. Okay. And when he, he, um, when he, when he knows that I'm going to say no, then he wants uh, her to be his mom, I believe. <laughs> and when he knows that she goes, when she knows that she's going to agree, then he wants me to be the mom. Ah, so, okay. So he's playing I'm both sides. Think, yeah. I would think that he thinks that both of us is, is his mom. Because he went to school, and when I went to a, a conference at the school, when he was younger, he told the teacher he has two moms. Okay. And the teacher said, I didn't know what he was talking about. <laughs> he acknowledges her as his mother. Okay. 
And then how about you, Miriam? Yeah, same thing. He acknowledges both of us as mothers, but I think what the thing is, both had to be on the same page because he'll he'll play and he'll try you. He'll like if he wants something and can't get it, he'll run to the other mom and yeah. Oh, did you have permission to have that or take that or use that? Oh yeah, my mom told me I could do it, do it, or I could eat it. And then when it, you know, then when I asked, did you say he could have it? I never said that. So we had to like figure him out because he will. He does. He tries to um do reverse psychology on you. Yeah. <laughs> you just got to know where he, when he's playing. Yeah. But he can't get over it because I already know what he's doing. Yeah. All right, how about you, Barbara? And do they acknowledge their mother as their mom or just you? They know that she is their birth mother. Okay. Uh, yeah, and, and that's what they know. And she said it. She said, I'm your birth mother when she's here, but this is your mom. Okay. Um, because I, I raised them. Right. But do so when they see they her, do they call yeah. her mom? They do, they they do, um, but it's hard for them. It's hard to to call someone mom that's not in their life. I do tell them you respect her regardless. Yeah. You show no disrespect. You know. And yeah. So they know that. Right. Okay. So, um, Miriam, now what do you think is a con? So what do you think is a negative to fostering and adopting a family member's child? I don't see anything as a negative of adopting, uh, children that are in our family. Okay. Paula, do you think that there is a downside to adopting a family member's child? Um, I would have to say, agree with Miriam, no, there's, I have no negative, no negative feelings, none at all. And then how about you, Barbara Ann? I have no negative uh, feelings towards adopting a family member's child. The only negative part I do see in it, especially when the parent's not involved in the child's life, is when the parent comes around and wants to be the mother. Okay. And cross them around and tell them to do this and that. And they're like, they look at me like, why is she saying these things to me and talking to us like that? That's the only negative I have towards it all. Yeah. But other than that, I have, yeah, there's no other negative. You know, I agree with Miriam and Paula. I have no negativity with um, adopting a family member. Okay. Okay. So from your experience uh, fostering, family members. Did any of you besides Barbara Ann go on to foster and adopt kids that are not in your family? Um, yeah, I was. There's different kind of homes you can have. Mm-hmm. But mostly I had like um, a vacation home. When other foster parents wanted to go on vacation, I had that type of home. Oh, okay. And I also had like a crisis on where they could just bring them in at any time that they wanted to. So, yeah, I did have other children. So how was that experience um, compared to adopting a family member? A family member, you you feel like, um, well, me, I felt like... You're, like, connected to is, them. This, yeah, like, this is mine. I'm connected to this child. Mm-hmm. It was an experience, though, I'll tell you that. Was it harder? Because those kids were all different ages, right? 
it was harder. It was harder because they had um, moms that were visiting them. Oh, Do you understand? okay. The court, the court had visitations at the courthouse. Got it, okay. So the kids that I had got to go visit with their mother, but then they lived with you. Mm, right. Okay. Yeah, and I had a set of brothers, and one of the brothers, and there's also a ship's home. That's what Barbara has, if I'm not, if I'm, if yes. I'm wrong. And I had, I had like, um, sort of a ship home, a ship's home. That's for children that are sick. Okay. So I had the twins. I mean, I had two brothers, and one of them was artistic. Okay. And what I wasn't. So it, it was it was rough. Yeah. It was pretty rough for me. And how long did you do so, that? Um, when I had the two brothers, I did them for a whole summer. Like on Saturdays and Sundays. Because okay. their foster their foster mother, she was um going to college. Oh, okay. So and she went on the weekends. So how long did you? Estate. How long did you open your home up to accepting other foster children? Um, after the twins. I mean, I keep saying the twins. After the two brothers, um, I had. I was. I didn't. I didn't open it up anymore. I was done. Okay. Because it was. It was a lot. Because when you have the foster children, you have to be the one to get them off to school, drop them off. So now I have one of my adopted child, and I have these two foster kids. They all got to be dressed up and at this daycare mm-hmm. in the morning. In the morning. It, 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 it's rough. Yeah. And I've got to go to work by 630. I have to be there. Yeah, that's a lot. So, Miriam, did you foster any kids after you took in your uh, nephew? Yes, I also had um, a few. Um, And um, like Paula mentioned, my home was open for vacation. My home also was open where they can call me any time in the night and drop the kids off. But I feel like being a foster parent... I love what I was doing, but my weakness was I became too close to the kids. Okay. So when it was time for the children to go back, I mean, it's like they're taking my kid away, and it just hurt me so bad. When I would talk to my sister about it, she was telling me, tell me that, you know, I think you don't need to do this job anymore. Because I literally got sick when, I mean, I encourage, and I'm very happy the children can go back with their parents. But from what the kids were telling me, what was happening in their life when they're home, they don't get this type of love that they get at my home. Cause I treated those kids just like they were mine. Yeah. Um, but put the icing in on the cake would really made me kind of agree. Like I'm going to close my house after three years of doing foster care. Um, I had one child, my foster boy that threatened my son. Oh, okay. And my, my mother called me at work and told me what happened, 
And I immediately reported this because you have to keep like a diary on these kids. Right. Every little thing that they do. So I'm keeping track and I'm like, you know, and I called the caseworker to explain everything that was going on. I'm like, he has to go today. And they're like, no, it takes us two weeks <laughs> to find another placement home. I'm like, well, I can just drive there and bring him back. And he was like, and then we can press charges against you. Oh, really? I said, okay. So, wow. Just got out of here. Yeah, it was really deep. Like, no, you cannot bring him here. So, but, you know, I had other, thank God we have other families that are licensed that could help me with that one situation with that one particular kid. Mm -hmm. So, my sister gave me good advice on what to do with the one child. And he told me, he said, don't worry, Miss Miriam. I know where you live and I'll find you again. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, yeah, he told me that. He said he's going to come right back. I said, okay. Goodness gracious. You know, so sometimes you get good, sometimes, you know. Yeah, you can It can't... can be overwhelming at times, too. So. Wow. Would I do it again? Not they were a family member, so I don't know if that's one of the questions, but I'm... You know. Yeah, so only family, not just open it up to everybody. No, correct. Only family for me. Okay. So, Barbrandt, now, what was your experience? Because um, you've had multiple children in your home, and then, like you said, you adopted um, five? Yes. Five. So for the five that you adopted, so we know that two were family members. The other three, what was that process like since they weren't family members? Oh, their process was quick. Very, okay. very quick. Um, all the parents gave up their rights. Nobody fought for any of them. Um, so their adoption is less than a year. Okay. Did you have any kids that over time that you wanted to adopt and then at, in the final hour the parents decided to take them back? Uh, no. Okay. No, no. Yeah, I didn't have that. I did have one particular child in my house. It was kind of similar to Miriam's, but it was on a different case, a different scenario. And the office I went through or the people that I dealt with was totally different than hers. This child exposed himself to my grandchild, and um, they tried to play the games, and we were, I think I was three weeks before he was going to be adopted, mm -hmm. and he, when he did that, uh, they took him out of my house immediately. Were you going to adopt him, or he was up for adoption yeah, with something? We were three weeks from the adoption. Oh, you? Okay, so... Yeah, we were going to adopt him, and he exposed myself, himself to my younger grandson, and um, it, that was it. Got you know, it, okay. Like, no, he's got to go. And they were like, no, you got to keep him, and they, they, they were playing games, and they wanted to... Blame it back on the doctor because I, the doctor knew what was going on. And so it was a big thing. And the doctor was like, you know, I'm calling the state police on them right now. So my doctor was in my corner and they came and removed the kid right away. And after that, um, I took children under six years old for probably another couple of years. And then for the last 10 years, I've taken just babies out of the NICU. How has that experience been? That was a very different experience. I mean, because every child that I received from the NICU was drug exposed. They were 
going through withdrawal. They had numerous different medical situations. And like the, the training that you get um, when you get a child out of the NICU is less than 30 minutes oh, man. of training on how to deal with that child. So I had a baby that I had to do an NG tube through the nose and into his stomach. Oh my I got goodness. A 10 minute, a 10 minute um, teaching on how to do this for this child. So sometimes it was very, very scary. I've had colostomy bags where um, the child came to me and I'm talking to a nurse on the phone saying, how do I deal with this colostomy bag? I've never had one. And so they talk me over through the process over the phone. So, you know, you just don't know yeah. um, what you're going to get. You know, um, you just deal with it as it comes. We are, Paula said she did some shifts for homes. We are the doctors and nurses at our home when these children come to us. They are in our care for 24 hours, and we need to know how to take care of that child. Right. Immediately, you know, there is no call the doctor, walk it through. No, you immediately have to take care of fix that problem. Once you get that under control, you can call the ambulance or you can take them to the doctors or the emergency room if need be. Got it. Okay. Yeah, that is probably a very rare situation where there's not a lot of people who are comfortable doing that. So I'm sure that they were probably sending you a lot was, of kids. Yes, I was the only kid left in South Jersey um, for about four years. So I got a lot of children. I had a total of I would say over 80 kids come through my home in the 15 years I did foster care. Wow. That's a lot of kids. Um, what would your advice be to someone who is has a family member who is unable to care for their kids or something happens and they go into the system? What is your advice for someone who wants to foster a family member's child? My advice would be um, to do it. I would tell any family member, don't let your family member's child go into the system. Don't do it. You have to step in and you got to do what you got to do and take that child because God ain't going to give you nothing you can't handle. So you take that child and don't let that child be put into the system. That's a good advice. How about you, Miriam? Well said, Paula. I agree with everything she said. I don't even have anything to add to it, but, you know, just do it. Do it for the right reason. Because you never know that maybe that person will change in our family to get their life back together. But if it goes into the system, that's it. No right. matter how much you change life, you it's done. You'll never get your child back. So keep it within our in the family and it'll all work out all right and how about you barbara what would you say i agree with miriam and paula you know we have to do and especially in this day and age do all we can to keep families together um right there's a lot of bad out there and to have our family members our blood our our future be taken away from us and given to someone else um, and put in someone else's hands, not knowing how they're going to be cared for. 
and how they're going to be treated. And will they ever get to know us? You know, their family. Right. Um, you know, that it's tough. You, you don't want to ever see any family member out there lost wondering, where's my family? Yeah. You know? Um, so I would say if you can afford to do it, if you are in the right state of uh, mind, emotions, you know, strong, and you really have to be a strong person to take on what you're about to take on an encounter, uh, go for it. Do it. God, ask God, like Paula said, God's not going to give you more than you can't handle, but he will also give you the strength and guide you through every step of the way. What type of state of mind should you be in to take on a family member's child? Because I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of emotional ups and downs that I've witnessed um, when you're dealing with this. So you said like your state of mind that you have to be strong, but like, I mean, going into it, like if I were to be interested in doing this for a family member, like, what should that person be thinking going into it, I guess? Okay, well, let me, I'm going to jump in here real quick. If you are not in that place in your life and you haven't gotten your life together, do not attempt to try and take on something else or someone else's issues and problems because it'll just take you and throw you 10 steps backwards. You want to be right there, ready to go. Because you don't know what condition you're getting that child in. And I can speak for Paula and, and Miriam. We had no idea what we were going to get and what we were going to deal with when you bring this child home from the hospital. Paula was saying her son was up all night, didn't sleep. My boys had night tremors where they wake up in the middle of the night screaming to the top of their lungs. You have to know how to handle that. If you're a person that likes your sleep and you can't be disturbed, you know, and your sleep can't be broken up, reconsider. You know, you, you can't go in this thinking it's going to be a piece of cake because it will not. It's not a walk in the park. It is work. And you have to stay on top of every area of that child's life because if you slack just a little bit your child will fall through the crowd i'm speaking for me because um, my kids at the school i'll use me as an example my children weren't being taught the way they should be taught um, because they had disabilities at my particular school they didn't have child study teams or any extra help. So they put them in a modified class. Well, the modified class was still too much for my children. So if I would have just said, okay, well, you keep them in a modified class, do whatever you have to do. You know, no, they wouldn't have made it this far. My kids couldn't tell time in fifth grade. Mm, so, okay. you know, yeah. So, so those are the type of things you really have to be focused and, and, and like be aware of everything aware of all your surroundings when it comes to uh, these children. Yeah. What would you say, um, Paula? I would have to say Barbara is correct. I was a party person. I like to party. I like to go out. Uh, you know, that was me. And then I had this 
little baby here. Mm-hmm. So um, I would have to say that the child had to change my state of mind because I'm thinking, well, I'm a, you know, I want to go out or whatever. Now I got to get a babysitter. Yeah. <laughs> that was something big to me. I got to go search for a babysitter. <laughs> That really got me, that babysit, and having to get somebody to babysit. Mm-hmm. So I would have to say um, the child had to change my state of mind. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because if not, like Barbara said, you have to be a strong person, and you got to change a lot of your ways. Because, like, my kids were grown. Right. So right. I had to change a lot of my ways. And go all the way back to trying to be um, a mother again. I couldn't even remember. Yeah. I had to take care of the and stuff. I didn't remember. Yeah. It had been so long. You know, so that was my state of mind that the child had to change me. Because you you do have to get it together. And if you feel as though that you can't change you know, and change is being a strong person. So I agree with Barbara on that. You have to be a strong person and be in the right state of mind. And if you're not in the right state of mind you and you don't think you can, then don't do it. Yeah. And then Miriam, what would you say? I agree with Barbara Paula both. And it is a mindset thing, but you know, mentally and physically, you have to be prepared. Um, they do require you to take a physical impact, but talking for myself, I just had peace of mind after 10 straight years of screaming. And family members, I couldn't even go and participate for like maybe for maybe the last eight years because. The way my son, he didn't like the loud noise. He didn't want people around him. He wouldn't even talk to people. So it's like there's no socialization at all when it came to him. So like I, I had to exclude exclude that because I already know what's going to happen. He can't deal with the noise. So and this all night long that screaming, that screaming. I couldn't even get a babysitter. You hear Paula mention about her life changes, her lifestyle, finding a babysitter. She liked to go out. I couldn't find a babysitter because my son, all he did was scream. Nobody wanted to deal with him. You know, I might have had one or two people. My mom was there for me, maybe my sister a little bit. But people have their life to leave. So it's a big decision. Say you have to, you have to, you know, lay it on the table and say, listen, God, am I able to do this? You have to sacrifice a lot when you take on these kids. So your whole life changes. Your whole life changes. Yeah. And I just want to um, take my hat off to the you three women um, watching you take in your family members and raising them and um, going through all of these extra struggles that you didn't have to deal with with your own kids, um, especially when they started school and they were having issues in school and you're having to navigate like a whole new system um, because of their behavior. So I just want y'all to know that y'all are doing a great job raising these boys. Um, 
I am glad that, you know, our family is so supportive of each other and there for each other when we need it. And um, I just hope that there are people out there who step up and do the same thing for their family members, because I do think it makes a big difference. Um, keeping the kids in the family, you know, a lot of this is, um, everything is out of their hands. They are here and nothing is in their control. And so if we can keep them in their families and allow them to be raised, you know, with their family, um, I do think that it does make a difference in their lives. All right. Well, I just want to say thank you for taking the time out of your evening to talk about this. I think it's a very important topic um, that so many can learn from. And I appreciate y'all just taking the time out to have this discussion. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And that's a wrap on another amazing episode. I know that you were just as inspired as I was after listening to that conversation. And to let us know how we're doing, don't forget to leave us a review, like, share, and follow the podcast. Also, make sure you follow us on all social media platforms at The Black Girl Blogger and check out our website, www.theblackgirlblogger.com. And the most important step, make sure you share the podcast with someone you know and tell them to share with someone they know. And if you know someone who has an amazing story to tell or if you yourself would love to tell your story, leave us a message on our website or any of our social media platforms so we can reach out to you and have you on the podcast. Until next time, peace out.